Welcome to the Meeple Syrup After Show. Designers discussing design. We're on episode 79. We're really on the after show. And we're talking summer loving. Yeah, it doesn't seem like summer if you look outside in Canada. You might see snow. But... Oh my god, don't start about the snow, please. <laughs> but it oh, is... Ottawa got it. It is... I was going to get sushi tonight! Oh. oh, that is a tragedy to miss out on sushi because of the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes me want to have sushi right now, but I'm... Instead, here with wonderful people talking about games, um, and for Meeple Syrup, we're about to take a break, so you're, you're really our most honored uh, guest, because we wanted to spend our last moments with you before we oh, went on summer like break. <laughs> I, I did not want to spend with my last moments with sushi. <laughs> so, I'm just Gord, saying. I think, I think Gord actually has a, a question to start our after show. Yeah, well, I, I was just uh, amazed... Um, at that interview at uh, Rob having to suffer through people um, wanting to uh, not, not give you more freedom and artists more freedom. To me, that uh, you realize your limitations, you join a group to try to create something beautiful, and you hand off, you delegate um, what you know you don't do well yourself. It, it should be elementary. Right. I mean, okay. So this is a weird sort of thing. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people find themselves in this weird sort of situation where um, they may be presented with an opportunity to do something that they are not particularly good at, and they may think to themselves, "I can maybe do this," and they maybe might do it, but. As an artist, uh, the situation is, I don't know if it's different or not, but I treat it as different. As an artist, you are only as good as your last uh, contract. And if you take a contract and you really screw it up, and it's not good, and it doesn't read, and it's not appealing, and it's just not, it's not your best you have hurt yourself by taking that contract. Yeah, you're basically diluting your brand. Right, you are. Uh, because, like I said, your brand is... It's not truly only as good as your last contract, but if you do a really crappy job of your last contract, people will remember that for way longer than your next or possibly two next contracts. Mm, it's well, not <laughs> worth it. That and everybody seems to be able to have an opinion about art, you know, not like you can they have an really opinion do. about... You can't have an opinion about brain surgery a lot of the time. You can't have, a, you can't have an <laughs> you're, opinion you're, about... You're, you're right, you're right. I mean, people do... And, and here's the thing, is I try to express this to people all the time because they, you know, people approach me and they say, well, this person has never done art, so their opinion of art doesn't matter. That's not true. Um... And I don't know that this is a thing that spans other aspects of game development or of anything. But of art, it does, because as human beings, we consume art on a daily basis. We consume it on television. We consume it in magazines. We consume it in literature. We consume it in board games. We consume it everywhere. Okay, We consume it in a lot of different things. It's not always visual art, but it's art. And 
frankly, we consume a lot of visual art. Like, a lot. If you watch, if you own a television, you consume visual art in a huge amount. Okay? And just because you don't produce physical art does not mean you don't have a valid opinion on physical art. And um, if your art sucks, people will know it. And they will express that opinion in the form of not paying for it. <laughs> it really is a thing. If your art sucks and the game is good... I mean, okay, we had a discussion about this a about a year ago on on Twitter uh, via the... the Oh, God, what is the board game thing? It's... Um, I can't board remember. Game. Right, board, uh, it wasn't board game game. It was another Ice thing. Um, board game forum? It was on Twitter, specifically on Twitter. Oh, oh yeah. it was it. Uh, it was um, designer board game hour. Board, board game hour. Yeah, I was there with you. About art, um, and a ton of artists and a ton of consumers expressed the fact that if a game doesn't have decent art, they don't care. It can be the uh, the uh, the the mechanics can be great. The mechanics are solid. But if the art isn't there, if the theme isn't there, they just don't care because there are other games that provide that aspect that they're looking for. I want to actually. Well, actually I want to hear Gord on that. Well, I was gonna. I was gonna bring yeah. in Gord. I was gonna awesome. bring in Gord because yeah. the the point was Gord was talking about the game as art, which is something that I always like to bring up. Yeah. And like a game is art that you paint on the brain of your players. Like it's 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 art. So Gord, go for it. Um, so, for, for me, uh, I, I just uh, I look at beautiful game designs like Avalon, like Star Realms, um, like Go, um, and, and uh, all of those. Um, does does the art add to it? For Avalon, absolutely, um, especially for the people I'm playing with. I could play an abstract version of Avalon where. I know that uh, I am on the good team, and that I'm not uh, I'm not Merlin. Maybe that's all I need to know. But for most of the people that I play with, um, the the art uh, has to be central, not just mechanics, but the art. You're right, though. You're right, because I mean, a lot of people think of art and mechanics as like diametrically opposed, but they're not. They should work together um, because, uh, and, and not just thematically. Thematically is a huge deal. The very first thing someone notices um, in a uh, in a game that is maybe not well uh, well paired as far as art and mechanics go is that like they might be diametrically opposed as be like wow this is weird the theme doesn't fit or like or the mechanics don't fit right that that's like the first thing they might they might uh, discover but even beyond that even if they are not opposed if they don't work in tandem there's a difference between being, being opposed and being and working in tandem if they don't work in tandem then uh, it's actually harder for someone to learn a game it's harder for someone to remember the objectives during a game and it's harder for them to end up uh, uh, like you know uh, actually achieving any kind of success in the game oh yeah art, art informs gameplay it can right just like theme can inform gameplay right it doesn't have to but it can yeah good. And when it, when it does it well, it's amazing. When it kind of, it, it's that cognitive dissonance that you'll get when 
you look at a piece of art and you look at the game and you go, this doesn't fit. That's that's what psychologically we'll call it is cognitive dissonance. That there's really an ill fit. And and really that goes back to what you were saying at the in the other show, Rob, when you know that your art isn't going to support that game well because that's not the kind of artist you are, or you're not capable of producing the art that they that they, that would do this game justice. Right. You're looking at your own cognitive dissonance in that case, where it's like you're you're feeling that feeling of uncomfortableness. That's what that that's what that is psychologically. Right, right, and then a lot of artists will feel that as. Um... Oh, lack lack of confidence or yeah. lack of experience or something like that. But like, I mean, all those things matter. If you if you feel those things and you know somebody who can do better, then it's valuable. It's still right, that's important. It's still valuable for you to pass that on to someone else. Yeah. Um, if you don't know someone else, then uh, sadly, it's not valuable to you to pass it on. But you still might. You still might need to. Yeah. And with that, gentlemen, I'm going to have to cut out because I've got to get my daughter to learn a poem on that Victor Hugo wrote about spring. Uh, so <laughs> I'm I like spring. Spring would be nice. Sound like Hugo the movie? It's something we have here in France. It's amazing, and it happens earlier than it does in Canada. I've, it's, I've never experienced. We that. have it in Canada too. It lasts two weeks. It's, it's under true. the. It's under the snow. And it smells like poo. It's terrible. Spring is no, terrible. No, it smells like asphalt. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like thank you very much, guys. I'm out of here. We'll yeah. see you later, Dylan. So we'll I'll have to work on uh, we'll have to work on our, our plans for uh, dominating Indianapolis, right? Yes, absolutely. Oh, good. Okay. See Rob, um, what, one of the things with Santorini right now is that there's um, its its history is pure strategy, and so we are getting pulled by a minority of people who um, like the pure strategy origins and for them the the art that is all frivolous and the gods going crazy is not as nice as the yeah. the old Roman nudes um, uh, the the Greek sculpture nudes that were, were part of the original game I'll um, be I'll be I'll, I'll say I'm that guy for instance, yeah, yeah. I love the elegance right. of the simplicity. It echoed what I thought the design was, so I want it in its aesthetic as well. And not that I don't appreciate, and I think it's even showing very successful, the, the art direction. I think actually a lot of people are being exposed to a game that maybe they wouldn't have, have uh, looked at. Oh, if I mean, it was right? simple, I think the marketing has been very successful and well received by many, yeah. but as part of the minority, where I appreciate an abstract game, I look at an abstract game differently than I look at something that's more thematically rich, I yeah. was very comfortable with just diving into the game as a as a, a test of my of my my brain. Yeah. Rob, have you ever got into a discussion? Um, with someone saying, you can go two ways on this game. You can either appeal to this market, or you can appeal to this market, but you cannot make everybody happy. Yeah, I have, actually. And uh, sadly, that was the very first board game I ever worked on, and that was Dungeon Roll, Dungeon Roll right? Um, yes. That is a very real thing. And... Um, 
trying to center my thoughts here. Um, because no this is this is a very uh, like a seriously a complex issue. It is. Um, and my opinion on it is not law, but I will tell you about what I experienced. <laughs> okay, so when I worked on Dungeon Roll, and you know, Dungeon Roll was one of the it was the very first incredibly successful thing that I worked on, and um, being as so. I thrust myself into it whole hog, uh, including the comments on the Kickstarter, which at the time I thought were incredibly valuable. And I, and I do think that comments on Kickstarter are... Con they continue to be valuable. But I, I took them to heart in a big way, because I didn't do the character art in the original Dungeon Roll. Mm -hmm. I was art directing it, which kind of made it worse. <laughs> and, I get that. I totally get that. Right. And, uh, and what, what happened was that one of the artists that I was working with did a paladin, and I wish I had taken more time to look at the paladin. But the paladin had kind of a low-cut front. Yeah. And I experienced a lot of other art in my life, including a lot of Blizzard art, and I didn't think twice about it. However, our fan base did, right? And they thought, "Hey, this isn't this is inappropriate for a paladin." And then when I thought about it, I was like, actually, yeah, that's true. You're extremely right about it. Like, 100%. And so we made the call to change the art. Yeah. Now, little did I realize that making the call to change the art gave validation to pretty much everyone's concerns ever. Right. Um, which is why focus groups are important. Yeah, they really are. They really are. I don't think to, we do enough of that. We we don't. History. We we do not, and we need to, because you need to uh, ex uh, expose that to a bunch of people who are not um, emotionally involved in any particular part of the rules or the art, and who aren't core gamers necessarily. I mean, core right. gamers are great for playtesting, but for actually everything else. Right, just the first People reactions. They're blind, like you, like you said. You know, I played Blizzard games since, you know, Warcraft. Right. I and so I it's like, you know, a girl in a bustier, whatever. Yeah, it's right? like, but in a board game that matters. There's a ton of, of female gamers in board mm -hmm. games. Um, the the ratio of female gamers in board games is much higher than in. Uh, video games. That's just a fact. And um, if you want to make your game... You, now, here's the thing. You don't have to make your game available to all of them. But if you want to, then it should matter to you. And as an artist, it should matter to you in general. Okay? I, I'm not joking. This is a really big deal. Okay? Yeah. Um, if you want to be a competitive artist, you want to be a person who delivers art, uh, art and games to everyone, this should matter to you. Okay, and you should look into into things because when it happened and we changed it, it opened the floodgates to 
everyone who wanted a change. Yes. And there were a couple of changes that were suggested that I thought were kind of ridiculous. And um, the reaction to that feedback to these people was not preferable. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and this happened right before our Kickstarter. I believe it was right before um, the Belfort expansion expansion. It was, and it was rough. It was really, really rough. And one of the worst, and here's the thing, and, and this is a uh, personal experience, but I want to share it with you guys because as an artist, this will matter. I don't know if anyone is listening who's an artist, but if you are, this will matter. Um, the worst experience I had with with something related to this was during the same Kickstarter and with someone that I considered a personal friend. Ugh. And I did not understand her political slash social leanings. And a piece of art I approved from someone who had such a minor, and I'm really being honest with this, minor, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, variant from what she would have expected from that character caused... Or, or accepted, right? Right. Caused some backlash. And then I made a silly comment thinking that she thought that it was actually the most ridiculous thing that she could comment on. Yeah. Caused a major issue. Right. So you so basically you kind of discounted her feedback. I did. And that's not okay. Humor. No. Right. It's yeah. Not okay. It's not okay for me to do. Right. But at the same time I thought it was someone who was my friend. I thought she understood what I was doing and I didn't, right? But here's the thing, as an artist, don't rely on that stuff. It's not it's not okay. You really do need to have and this is the thing that really sucks for a lot of artists. You really have to have a good grasp of what's going on in on the internet, what's going on in the world in general when you do art. It sucks. I understand that. I've been through it, but you need to do it. It matters. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, even this week uh, with Action Phase Games and their uh, incredible yeah. Kickstarter Aeon's End, um, which, you know, we have a fun backstory. Sen actually had a, a hand to play and, and that publisher and designer finding each other, but one of the awesome things they did in the development process was they they came up with a a universe and story that actually involved some really you know awesome uh, kick-ass women and uh, in in the different roles in the game, and uh, then sadly they got trolled and called out and smashed for having women in predominant roles, which is opposite of many games, and so they got the reverse slam of uh, from Trolls. I mean, luckily nobody supported that person. Thankfully, yeah, the, very quickly that but, thing was taken you know, down. The, but... the verbal minority matters. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you look at someone like, uh, in the video games industry, the person who made the big complaint about um, about in Overwatch... Um, oh, the the... Shot. It um, was an over-the-shoulder um, shot, and yeah. it was not over-sexualized. It really wasn't, but they made a big deal about it. And... I don't even, I, you know what, I don't even know if, well, the person who made the comment just said it didn't fit with, um, what's the person's name? Is 
it's not Thrasher. What's what's the character? Um, oh her, my gosh! I know. Anyways, it didn't make it didn't fit with her characters. What the, the sad thing is, is it does. And she's a playful character and stuff. And I mean, look. Okay, I'm gonna present this from a place of a person who thinks a lot about this kind of stuff. Okay, like I mean, that's my job. It really is, and take it or leave it uh, wherever you want to be. I mean, I, I don't, I don't discount someone's opinion either way on things. I'm being super political about this, but I mean, that's the place I find myself in a lot of the time. Um, for someone like Tracer, right, that's who it. is a playful character, um, the over-the-shoulder shot fits with her character. It does. She is, um, you know, she she's a fun character, and she's upbeat. She's kind of perky and stuff like that. And it did not over-sexualize anything. This person was just trying to gain some, like, garner some uh, following on the internet, and it sucks that they did it. Um, but at the same time, I want to express across the board for people that, you know, this kind of stuff is. Um, it's it's not one dimensional. Try to think of it from multiple aspects, right? I mean, women women and men work very hard for their appearances and stuff. You know, sexuality is a human thing, right? On top of everything else, like, you know, um, any kind of aspect of human endurance, human performance, um, you know, any kind of aspect of um, of achievement should be celebrated and not detrimented. Uh, it sucks that the person tried to latch onto the negative side of the internet for this kind of stuff because I, I don't feel like it's right. Um, I feel like, you know, if you guys are out there and you agree with me, I hope that you would got, that you guys would celebrate achievement rather than trying to drag it down no matter what it is, no matter what, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's achievement-based, you know. Don't shy away from someone's achievement just because you know you don't have that, or because it might be viewed a certain way. That's not okay. You know, celebrate achievement. Don't drag it down. Uh, Ned and Ia, uh, on the feed is saying that the new uh, tracer uh, end pose is literally a pinup pose now. It just and that's worse. And that's worse. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. Because because the original tracer was not worse. It was fine. It, uh, it yeah. Was I mean, just if, you, if you go online and look for the original tracer pose, she's doing an over-the-shoulder kind of you know victory pose. And um, yes, the buttocks are showing in it. But the, I mean, like if you, if you go look at it, it's not like highlighted in any particular way. It's it's pretty. Asexual. It's 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 really the razor point of the issue. It really is. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Gord, there's a question here for you. Uh, do you have a tip for helping to make sure your game is balanced? Um, as a pure strategy game designer, uh, I find it very efficient to playtest all of my own gods. I can do it by moving around the table, so two-player strategy game, I'm at this side, and then I'm pretending like I'm playing the other side, and I can go through a large number of uh, gods and experiment a large number of times, much, much faster than having somebody else involved. Um, 
so that's unique to pure strategy games, where the rules are nice and simple, and I can and there tweak is them, almost tweak a best them, move, and tweak right? them again. In that case, is there a best move, usually? Um, no, um, it's a matter of balance. So, so um, for example, um, one of my tough things to balance was uh, um, Artemis, who can move two spaces versus um, another god. Right. If I say that Artemis can move two spaces, period, that's one yeah. um, power. If I can move, say Artemis can move two spaces to a different space, yeah. that is a significantly different power, sure. um, and that small tweak uh, needs to be balanced. Um, so I, I also look for simplicity in language, so that, that's... That's the other side of this. It's fine to balance gods absolutely perfectly. That's not realistic. Um, uh, you, you need to also make sure that you can communicate those gods with as few words as possible. Yeah, yeah. So I'm balancing stuff right now. Yeah, that's great stuff. That's, uh, that's the thing that is um, relevant across just board game design, but also... You know, video game design. Like I, I I've been working. Okay, I don't know, not working, but I've been playing uh, some games that are in, in from alpha development into beta for video games, and they experience the same stuff. Where, you know, like the intent might be there, and then somebody decides to break it by doing something unexpected with it. And as a game designer, uh, the immediate um, assumption is, oh, you must have thought of that. This is balanced, right? <laughs> but it's not, right? It's not. Like, you, you intend a certain thing, and then someone goes, oh, but I could do this. And they break everything. Yeah, I mean, that's the point of playtesting, though. I mean, typically... Uh, and Gord, this is a good question for you. Um, so I'll give you an example. So when we're making games that are asymmetrical, uh, so not, like, balancing, literal balancing games, but um, games where there's asymmetrical characters or powers or things like that, Typically, what I do is I, I go for a balance straight off, like um, spreadsheet-wise, do the math. Then we play, and then we nudge stuff around with like without doing the math. And then we might later on figure out after playtesting that we need to go back to the math and actually go through the spreadsheets again. Do you use spreadsheets a lot in your design? Do you do a lot of mathematical mathematics? Or... Uh, based on the types of strategy games that you're building, is it less about the equation and more about how it plays in that space? Uh, I rarely use math overtly in my game design. They're my my latest really good um, game, uh, Chinaman, is an is an exception. Um, in that game, you have uh, I, I uh, from years ago I learned that a square, if you populate it randomly with um, points, you need about 60% of it um, to be full before you can find a path, a fractal path, from one side of the square to another. Um, so I use that mathematical nugget to make an asymmetric strategy game. Um, and so that this, uh, but most of the time I, I don't use math. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I would never use a spreadsheet uh, for, for actually computing different options because 
um, with a pure strategy game design, uh, I'm I'm not I, I'm not looking for um, changing tweaking this number from uh, intelligence 3.7 strength. Uh, yeah, 5.2. Exactly. I'm not yeah. looking at that in a pure strategy okay, I, game. I'm looking at. I have. I, I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. If you had to choose between mathematical balance and um, physical gameplay with interaction of the components, what would you choose? Oh, good question. Physical um, gameplay with interaction. Of the components, to say say that in different language. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. That is such a um, good. That is such a good. All right. Response. Yeah. That, that's that's a good response because that is that is super open ended. Open ended. Okay. Um. Or or let's say let's say well I got I got this one. Let's say you had a game largely based on cards. Sure. Would you? Would you err in favor of? the values on the card or the way a person interacted as, as far as flipping or rotating a card was concerned. Oh, okay, so physicality over mathematics. Right. Okay. Um, I guess it depends on the outcome or the feel that I want. I, I, I like Did, the game design from you. To be, to be clear, this, this is for all three of you because all three of you, I think, are going to have a unique answer. Yeah. And so my answer is, it, de- it depends. <laughs> I'm giving you the, the cop-out answer. But um, if I had to pick one, um, I know my brain would want to go mathematics uh, because I strive for balance a lot. Uh, but my heart would want to go with interesting physical interaction because I think that's cooler. But that's also harder because it seems to be, it's more innovative, I think, to right. use cards in different ways. Daryl, next. I would definitely say the physicality matters more to me for an experience, but I, I kind of echo maybe a little bit like Sen in that, you know, I would I would want you know the skeleton in the background to have some mathematical balance, but uh, what draws me to a game is not the math, even though I love math. What draws me to a game is something interesting, so. I need to see a card do something cool, and then I go, oh, I want to try that. I want to play that. I want to do what it does, and maybe it's totally unbalanced and yet fun. Well, all right, I'll try that. So that would be my answer. Gordon. Um, I, I'm going to interpret the physicality as intuition, um, and for me, the mathematics and the intuition are both absolutely essential and at the highest level. So um, Santorini um, is one of the greatest games I've created because it's intuitive. You can step up just one level. Um, You can't just jump up two levels. So this is based on how people climb stairs. So there's, um, it's it's built in to, uh, to how the game is physically played, the intuition. Yes, this is how we walk around the world. Um, you can move diagonally. Um, I did try this game out on a hex board. It didn't work well. That would have been a little bit better on the intuition side. But I, I'm, I'm, both are absolutely essential for me. Um, I had a blind... You know what? The nice thing about that is I got kind of an even spread on, on that stuff. <laughs> I really did. But that that's actually telling. I mean... Um, 
the weird side of things for me as uh, someone who creates art, and I, I don't know if this matters to anybody else, but I feel like it's interesting, is that... Um, um, art matters. Right, well, it does, but also someone who develops arts mat- art matters, right? Um, and, um, you know, for me, um, I'm going to put my two cents in, the way someone interacts with components matters to me the most, right? Because, and, and this is the thing, is is I honestly believe that because I rely on someone who develops a game to do the math side of things, to do the, the, um, the kind of stuff that I can't do as well. Right, and so for me, I want someone who is developing a game to understand the interaction of the things that aren't physical, because I can lend my expertise to the physical interaction with things. Right, and so like you know that matters to me. But when someone does present me with a way to interact with it, and this happened with Dark Dealings, right, the way that things interacted, once I fully understood how the cards interacted with the game, I realized. There's nothing more I can do with the graphic design, right? Like it just it just works. Hmm. So both sides of things matter to me as a illustrator and a graphic designer. Is that um, understanding the physicality of the cards and maybe even explaining that to your artist mm-hmm. can really matter. Okay, yeah, that, that that's a good point. How the game how the game is played or how the cards have to be splayed in your hand or, you know, what's the optimal uh, position for things. It dictates a lot of iconography, dictates the layout from a graphic design point. Um, and I just want to go back to Gord's point. I think a lot of what you're talking about there, Gord, is almost like it's like making the math transparent. There's math in there, but you don't have to actually know it or do it to play the game. Is that what you're getting at? Are you talking well, about intuition? Of course, and stuff? of course it's. I mean, you don't brag about mechanisms. You just build the mechanisms and make them as transparent as possible and make everything as balanced. And, and that should be totally separate. You can optimize that totally separately in many, many games from the physicality. So there's no excuse not to have both in most games. Mm-hmm. There, there should not be a compromise here. Um, one of the interesting, the absolutely one of the most interesting emails I got during this Kickstarter was um, a person who had a blind sister, and he was wondering, is the uh, is this game good for his blind sister? Um, and uh, I I responded a strong yes, but not with not with these components, the old um, um, abstract strategy game where maybe even with taller bricks she could actually push down on them uh, and maybe get a three-dimensional perspective and maybe shrink the board a little bit so she only has to memorize a three-by-four board. That that makes me happy physically um, that I think uh, that could be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and um, a good developer... um, will think about that stuff. Uh, I believe it because I have voiced that that kind of thing to people in the past where I said, um, hey, if you thought about people who are colorblind, right? I mean, and 
this is a unique thing for our um, for for our development cycle. Is that a lot of board game developers they want to be inclusive of people who maybe maybe are colorblind or or are completely blind or whatever. Like these things matter to those people because uh, things that are more mainstream like television, video games, they are not accessible for people who are completely blind or partially blind, right? Whereas some board games might be. And I'm not talking the kind of thing being, look, I'm not telling board game designers and board game developers that everything needs to be in Braille. That's not the point, okay? But some games may be accessible to people, and if it's within your reach and within your your development reach to do it, then do it! So just on that note, uh, I'm getting a note from Michael of Armada Games saying he has a blind board gamer that comes to the store. It's difficult to find games he can play. Just wanted to let people know that if you look up 64-ounce games, Richard Gibbs makes kits that will um, help adapt a game for people with blindness or low vision. So Can you put a yeah. link or, or type that into chat? Yeah, I'm doing that right yeah. now. And also, there are a few games that are in development that I recently got to playtest, even at uh, Board Game Geek, that uh, Gil Hova, Ian Zhang, uh, Richard Gibbs are all developing that are fantastic games that um, if I played some friends that were blind, they might be better than me at these games. So uh, I look forward to when they come out so we can tell more about it because some of them are private, but they are... Great games. Have on the show at some point. Yeah, they're great games already, and then on top of it, they are accessible to to different people that may not find certain games accessible. And and that's awesome. I I mm-hmm. really enjoy that. I have to go, everybody. Yes, thank, thank you so much. Have to go. So. Sticking around with us, there, Gord. Yeah, we really appreciate it, Gord. Have Love a great night. Yeah, yes, thank you, Gord. Take care. No problem. So it's it's uh, www.64 ounce o u n c e for those Canadians who don't know how to spell ounce. Ounce. What it even is that? I don't know. Actually, I really don't. Is that like one of those things where of they those? measure with a nut or something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, um, <clears throat> there's a question up here for you, Rob. Uh, Nananea asked. Uh, for Rob, how do you deal with super picky clients? How many edits are too many edits for an independent artist? So kind of flowing off our last little bit. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so Nana, um, how many edits are too many? Um, that's a really One. good question. One. <laughs> Actually, um, the truth of the matter is that I rely on a client offering me two to three edits for about five pieces. That's really abstract, right? But it's kind of what I have come to rely on based on my experience. Now, when you say rely, what exactly do you mean that that you want that? No, it's not that I want that that. That, that, that. that I predict it. That oh, okay, okay. That in a set of... Oh, for your workflow. Right, for my workflow. That I'm willing to allow, um, you know, three to five edits, or three, uh, like, you know, about three edits on... It's three to five edits on three pieces. 
I can handle that. Anything beyond that, it starts stretching my budget. Mm-hmm. Um, because I kind of rely, and this is, I don't want to come across as being arrogant or something, but I often rely on not getting edits for my work, but I always try to put in enough time to do, you know, maybe five to five to seven edits. Uh, usually five to seven edits, if they're small, won't harm my quote. Right, and your quote, we're talking time, because right. I mean, this time is money. It's not materials, it's time. Right, it's the only way that I can do it, and the way I, I try to organize my quotes is that, uh, you know, someone presents me with the amount of work that they need, and I think to myself, how long will it take me to do this without quotes, or, or sorry, without uh, without revisions? Right. Because I have to assume that I'm going to do it right the first time. I mean, that's that's kind of a thing for an artist. Right, and then the rest um, of it's padding to allow right. and then for I, those edits. I try to find some padding in some of the... Um, some of the areas where it might make sense to do, because, okay, speaking real again, for any artists out there. Hashtag real talk. Right. Artists out there, if you do not allot yourself some time for error, you are kidding yourself. No one is perfect. No one can do art 100%, you know, approved every time. It just can't happen. You need to afford yourself some breathing space. And this is one of the things that artists are the worst at. Affording themselves breathing space. Most artists want to assume that they will never make a mistake. You are lying to yourself. (laughs) Artists make mistakes and that's okay because you're human. It's all right. And you should try to include that in a small amount in your quote. And I understand all you guys who are out there trying to make a competitive quote, trying to make sure you get the contract instead of someone else. I do understand that. But if you don't allot yourself at least five to ten hours of error in your work, you are going to suffer. You're going to be working for free. And there's nothing worse for an artist than working for free. So please... Be realistic with your quotes because nothing is worse than not being realistic with yourself. Yeah, and it's funny because even, I mean, we just uh, worked on even making a board with my friend uh, Ron. Um, And, you know, he's a very experienced graphic designer, but he's never done a board game before, illustrated graphic designer, cartography. Mm. And so, you know, he had to really build his quote smartly because there were a lot of changes that... We asked for because it's like, okay, that's not going to translate on a board. Uh, and, you know, it, it looks great on a map, but as soon as we start folding it into a board, then there's stuff that goes on the fold lines. And so mm-hmm. it was a really good learning experience for him. I'm not sure if his quote actually stood up to, you know, to his expectations. I haven't asked him Most, that I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be real with you guys. Most uh, quotes that artists provide don't stand up. We lose on almost every contract. I believe that. I believe that. I mean, I know. I mean, designers do as well, right? So because we have to, to, because it's either that or let a client get away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, look at this. If you look at the 64 ounce games, I'll show you actually. 
if you look at the 64-ounce game website, you'll notice that there's a little bit of uh, Rob Lundy and Senfong Lim, Jay Cormier love up what? there. What's going on there? So they, they've made it accessible to people with visual impairments by uh, adding an embossed layer on top. Awesome. See that? That's right good. There. So that plus sign there is actually tactile. That's good. I, I want to see... I want to see... Like, that's awesome for this particular game. I would love... Okay, right there, right there. I can see it. There is Braille underneath the actual text. Yes, yeah. That's yes. awesome. Yeah, so you can I see the Braille. I want that and more things, right? Because Braille does not affect art too much. It really doesn't. Give me and it's, tra- it's actually, I mean... Uh, so I worked for CNIB for a long time. So there's, there's a lot of... You can make it on transparency plastic because yeah. you don't need to see Braille to read it. The yeah. problem, though, here's the problem, and I mean, this is just me getting really deep on, on Braille, uh, is that not as many people know Braille as you think. Right. It's actually kind of a dying art as well. It's a dying right. language uh, with computerized right. technology and things like that. Right, because so. you can just hear it, right? Like yeah, it's so right, most right people out. use like a screen reader and whatnot. Um, so a lot of my friends in the, in the, in the community, they, you know, they're predicting that you know, it's going to be a lost language. Uh, well, then I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a plea out to both artists and developers. Find a commonplace thing that a smartphone can read to read to your clients who cannot see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've been talking like, about that as well. Like uh, QR codes are great and stuff, but. Find something visual like Braille, like Braille, and make it happen, and tell your artists. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. So I'm, I'm really happy to see that Richard's doing that, and uh, it looks, it looks awesome. I like it. Yeah, we want, I like, I'd love to see more of it. It's just, you know, it's a very niche market for a niche market. So it, it really is, and it's a labor of love but for him. at the same time, as niche a market as it is, exclu- excluding those people. They, that sucks because they're excluded mm-hmm. from so much already that there's no need to exclude them from things like board games. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, anything else you guys want to ask, talk about for the last couple of minutes before we uh, shut her down? Because it's after one. So It's after one. Them. I'm going to bed. This is terrible. I need <laughs> to sleep because I have to stream in the morning. <laughs> true, true. True, true. Hey, Rob... Are mm-hmm. you are you uh, accepting contracts? I, it's a weird, I'm in a weird place. I would like to accept contracts right now. I'm in a weird place where I'm waiting for a ton of contracts to kind of manifest themselves in money. Right, right, right. <laughs> Which is a weird thing. But I'm in I'm in this weird place where 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 April is bizarre for me, and I'm waiting for a lot of contracts to get going because uh, Unpub is happening soon, and a bunch of people are waiting till after Unpub before they make any commitments to things. Sure. So uh, I am, but to be perfectly honest, at this point, it's probably going to be a month or two out before I'm able to get started on stuff. But if you guys are planning stuff like that, please let me know. Swing by uh, my Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash moltenink, M-O-L-T-E-N-I-N-K, or stop by moltenink.com and uh, drop me a line through my form email. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Daryl, any last words before you head off tomorrow? No, uh, you heard it here first. 
uh, Rob is uh, open to making your game better. Yeah, man. Take him up on that offer. <laughs> miscellaneous, miscellaneous noise. <laughs> Everybody needs miscellaneous noise. Oh, Rob, I just wanted to ask you, what's your fascination with Orcs Must Die? I love Orcs Must Die. Orcs Must Die, I've been playing that since uh, since Alpha, and the art in that game is super inspiring for me, yeah, and the game is... Rob art. The game is free. You should go to Steam. If you have Steam, you should download Orcs Must Die Unchained. It's amazing. Uh, Isn't that uh, Fightmaster? Isn't he involved with that somehow? Probably yeah, uh, Brian? Neff? Yeah, I, I think that's the game the company that he works with makes. Yeah. Ah, there you go. It's a fun game. It's free to play, and I've been playing since Alpha. It's uh, it's a ton. It's honestly a ton of fun. Uh, you can play single player or mu- multiplayer co-op or PVP if you so choose. Cool. Nifty, nifty, nifty. All right, so guys, we're signing off. This is the last after show for a while. Send uh, us Sin wants to go play with that string he's been playing with all game. Well, I have I'm, I have to get this ready for gathering, so I'm I'm stop, what is Daryl? Stop playing with your with your string. What is that? I need to know. Um, it's the expansion for junk art. So they Look at the string. They're, they're connected by string pieces, and you have to use them in general. Nunchucks. Like I, <laughs> like stacking nunchucks. Yeah. Okay, if you are part cat, you want this game. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Apparently, Rob is part cat. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna be gone for the summer-ish. Um, September will roll around sooner than we think. Uh, con season's upon us, so Daryl and I will be spending a lot of time at cons. Uh, we'll try to get some content up for you. We can't promise. Really, what we're promising? Ah, content, because con season. I like it. Yes. So we're gonna promise content. We just can't promise it on a on a Thursday. I'm uh, sorry, on a Wednesday night basis, uh, while con season is on due to travel and. Are, are actually, like, we're starting to get pressed for time. But you can find me on Twitch.tv slash Moltenink. What'd you say? Yeah. Moltenink. You can find me on Twitch.tv slash Moltenink if they're not here. Yeah, yeah, totally go watch what Rob's up to. And um, if you're an artist, you know, talk to Rob. And then if you if you are interested in getting into the board game industry, talk to us. And we'll yeah. we'll see what there is. I mean, I just we just got asked today... Hand graphic designers my way, said one of our publishers. And I know, um, you know, one of the other publishers that Daryl and I work with extensively, 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 um, you know, the guys who we got into them are now doing comic book covers for them and things like that. Nice. So it's, it's, getting, it's getting to the point where they're saying, hey, do you know anybody else? Because the last guy you gave us is gold. So, yeah. Rob, if you want to do some comic book covers, let me know. <laughs> hey, man, hooks me up. Illustration, I'm your guy. Yeah, man. Okay, so uh, here's where you can reach us in the meantime. Uh, definitely get at us. We want to work over the summer on content, on Twitch, on the website, all this stuff. Um, you know, running the show constantly for the last 80 episodes really hasn't allowed us to do much in terms of developing the rest of it. So that's what we're spending the summer doing. Um, so when we come back in September, we're going to be better, stronger, faster. You can start singing the song now, Joe. Ready? Bigger, stronger, faster. <laughs> and on that note, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>